0: I'm Tavis Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our Phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. In this hour, uh, for black men, the barbershop is the one place where we can talk about anything and everything. Our guest in this hour believe that by training barbers then to become life coaches, they can help create a space where black men can feel comfortable opening up about their mental health, Struggles. May, as you know, is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we continue our series of conversations about the mental health of black people writ large. We spent an hour last week talking about the mental health of black women, and in this hour, the mental health of black men. Please be joined by uh, Nick Rathode and Labid Aziz in this hour. Nick, good to have you on. How are you, sir?
1: Good. Tavis, how are you?
0: If I complained, I'd be an ingrate man. I'm doing well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Labid, how are you today, sir? I'm wonderful and blessed. Thank you very much for having us, Dennis. No, man, it's my great honor to have you both on. I know you guys are involved in a a film, uh, A Snowy Day in Oakland. We'll talk about that later in the hour. But I want to spend the majority of this time, uh, again, given that May is Mental Health uh, Awareness Month, talking about the mental health of African-American men. I I love this campaign. Uh, I'm going to be honest. That's the name of it. Hashtag I'm going to be honest. Um, Somebody tell me, Nick, I guess you first uh, get me started here on how this idea came to be.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think, you, and you hit it in the intro uh, well, that there's just, you know, a series of disparities and, and, and access issues, I think, generally, for people of color to mental health services. Uh, when you think about um, stigmas uh, and cultural stigmas that, that are just associated in in, in our communities with, ac- with mental health, and then on top of it, access to health care, um, cultural competency issues in the, in the, in the, um, you know, in the, in the community, uh, all of those sorts of things, I think, present these barriers to, um, to accessing mental health services. And so, you know, oftentimes where people are opening up is at barbershops, churches, places like that. And, you know, that presents like a real opportunity, uh, we think, to, uh, figure out how to better engage and provide uh the barbershop uh uh or barbers and beauticians and other people resources and and skills and tools to better serve their communities and so that's really sort of the impetus of the campaign
0: yep um uh, your your thoughts initially about the campaign and then we'll move from there
2: uh i mean nick did a fantastic job uh sort of capturing the high level i mean for for us um, coming from the studio perspective, you know using media as a as a tool, it was if we 're going to get involved with a film or a project we we really want to design powerful impact strategies and campaigns that carry the life and the impetus of the film beyond the life of the film itself and so this challenge was just that we had the the beautiful opportunity to Take Kim Bass's film, Snowy Day in, in Oakland, which deals with mental health in the African American community head on with barbershops sort of in the conversation. And so for us, we were like, how, what do we create to inspire and motivate not only people to watch the movie, but then to go on afterwards? And, and this came about through conversations with friends of ours, some who happen to be barbers and, and, and work in the, in the, in the industry. And, you know, the, as we all know, conversations are real and they happen in that seat in the barbershop and with the and and with petitions and the hairstylists and so why not find a way to give those folks additional tools and resources to be even more impactful that was it it was that simple just because our movie deals around the barbershop community so that's how it started and then we leaned in on this i'm gonna be honest hashtag challenge of as a way to draw people in to watch the movie and then also to inspire people to show up uh, by us donating fifty percent of the profits that we derive from the film to pay for these life coaches, uh, life coaching certificates, certifications for barbers and hairstylists.
0: We'll talk more about those tools and resources again as we as we uh, as we make our way through this hour. Uh, but Nick, let me come back to you and, and ask the following. Um, as I said earlier, we all know that uh, barbershops are are those spaces where Black men feel free to talk about pretty much anything and everything. And yet, I'm wondering whether or not you think those spaces are conducive uh to black men opening up in such personal ways it's one thing to talk about anything and everything but it's that's slightly different uh than sharing all your business in front of other people <laughs> being, being being that sort of transparent um so what makes you think that that can happen in a barbershop nick
1: yeah well so you know it it doesn't have to be just like that and i think this is sort of where the life certifications come in and and having the barbers and beauticians sort of have a have an ear up mm-hmm. for certain signals you know um you can start talking about things you can start start sharing things um it doesn't have to be deeply personable, but there 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 are triggers i think that you kind of have an ear up for if you're trained in a particular way that can then you know allow you to maybe pull, pull the brother aside, pull someone aside and, and, and be, you know, sort of engage with them in a, in a more private way, in a more deeply personal way, because, um, you know, you're, you're right. Like people aren't going to totally open up in a public setting and, you know, it's often a lot of banter, things like that, but then you get deep in, in, in stuff too. I know, you know, we've all been in a barbershop and when I take my sons there, you know, we go up to, uh, Georgia Avenue, Muhammad's barbershop mm-hmm. and it's a whole range of topics we cover, you know, whether it's, Sports or, or gossip or whatever, uh, but oftentimes it can get personal, and, and people do kind of open up in ways that I don't think they normally would um, anywhere else. And and again, I think having the uh, your ear up. For certain words or or things that, that that people are sharing and and talking about, I think is really important. So that that's sort of where the you know this is all coming from.
0: Just getting started in this hour uh, with our guest uh, uh, Nick uh, Rathoud and Labid Aziz, uh, talking about uh, this campaign. Uh, hashtag I'ma be honest. Uh, May, as I mentioned earlier, and you know now, is Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, And we want to make sure that throughout this month, we continue a series of conversations about the mental health of our people. Uh, We all know uh, the stories of Jordan Neely. We just discussed this in our first hour today. The story of Jordan Neely, uh, uh, Daniel Penny, uh, the white uh, veteran who choked him out um, on that train, that subway in New York, has now been charged in his death. Uh, Those charges were brought by Alvin Bragg's office, the D.A. in Manhattan on Friday. Took a week to do it. Finally got around to it. Uh, And now he is uh, facing uh, a major uh, trial. Uh, It is the case, as I mentioned also last hour, that they've now raised millions of dollars. The political right has gotten involved in this in just a matter of days. They've raised millions of dollars already for the defense fund uh, for Daniel Penny. Uh, And uh, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, is raising money from his supporters, comparing Daniel Penny to the Good Samaritan. He chokes out a brother on a subway Uh, but uh, in a subway, but is referred to uh, and compared to uh, as a good Samaritan. Not sure how you get from here to there, but I digress. Say nothing of uh, the brother in uh, Atlanta uh, who um, could not get access uh, to his anti-anxiety medicine, according to his mother, uh, and um, killed one and wounded others uh, in that medical facility there in the city of Atlanta. Uh, And so both of these men we're dealing with mental issues, mental health issues. Uh, and so these stories have become national stories, but there are all kinds of brothers who are struggling in a variety of ways who don't make national news, and, and thank God for it, if they're going to end up dead uh, or in prison. I'm um, glad they're not making national news, but they're struggling nonetheless. And so we're going to talk as we move through this hour uh, about the mental health of African-American men on KBLA Talk 1580.
3: We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Interrogating your assumptions. And expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's
0: get back to uh, Nick Methode and uh, Labid Aziz on KBLA Talk 1580 as we continue our conversation now about uh, May being Mental Health Awareness Month and specifically this campaign that they have undertaken called Hashtag I'ma Be Honest uh, about ways in which we can get black men to open up in barbershops uh, and for that matter in beauty salons all across the country. Uh, It's a great campaign. I wanted to have them on to talk about it given again that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I I mentioned uh, moments ago to be just two black men, uh, Jordan Neely, uh, choked out In that New York subway, sadly, uh, and Dion Patterson, uh, the young man who um, sort of snapped and and went into that uh, medical facility in Atlanta, killed one person, uh, wounded others. His mother, uh, I I feel for her, his his precious mother has been apologizing profusely publicly uh, for her son, uh, on behalf of her son, for the person that was killed and those who were wounded. And she has told us that he was upset because uh, he couldn't get from doctors his anti-anxiety medication, which is a whole other irony. Um, that is because he couldn't get his medication that he ended up behaving in the way that he did again, according to his mother. Um, be that as it may, um, your thoughts, um, Libby, your, uh, your concerns about the mental health of black men overall.
2: I I mean, it's, it's something that we need to be seriously, you know, considering in how we move. I mean, there is a, there's a stigma across the board with black men in general who are viewed, you know, uh, again, maybe sometimes not as equal and maybe not handled as equal in so many instances. And so uh, mental health does not usually come up as a part of that reasoning, but mental health is is a, is a huge component for everybody. And, and again, it goes into their own communities and to the African-American community, but also the community at large and how we actually absorb what's happening. How do we, how do we handle with care, hopefully, I mean, there's an example. I I won't give any names, but somebody that we were working with, um, uh, actually a barber, uh, who had g- gained some some notoriety in his, own, in his own work, and and the fame, and and it got to him, and he ended up having a mental health breakdown because he didn't have the people and support to show him how to move and behave, and it led to him having have, you know snapping. Um, but luckily, his friends and family showed up, but. It's happening all the time. Just being just because you're a black man doesn't mean you're impervious to to the detrimental effects of of, of
0: you know mental health. Yep, Nick. I wonder, um, given the point that LeBee makes now, I wonder to what extent we think. And again, not none of us are, in this conversation are psychologists or psychiatrists. We're not. We're not medical experts. I take that, uh, and I get that. Uh, and yet, I'm wondering because we are black men, uh, what we make of the fact that the stigma that Leb just put his finger on. I wonder to what extent you think the stigma that so many black men face has to do with the mental health challenges that some of us try to navigate.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some of that. You know, this is it's multi layered. So the the first thing is there's there's a cultural stigma. There is um, you know sort of a uh, a culture around you know opening up, being vulnerable. And that's just over, you know, that, that's a historic, there, there's a number of different things that feed into that. It's historical. It's just the way I think communities are sort of looked at and are, uh, are treated by the broader society. I think it's just, it's multi layered. The other problem, I think, and, and this is where, you know, uh, you, you, made, you made such a good point uh, in, in the lead of the commercial a minute ago about, you know, Jordan Neely and, and what's happening there. Is that there is a fundamental failure in my mind by by government and 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 legislatures around the country in really addressing these issues? Like when you when we have the conversation around mental health, it's it's first of all it's broad mm-hmm. and it's very directed at at sort of one set of community members, you know, white people and that sort of thing, but never really talking about disparities and and what it means in terms of both uh, what we're talking about cultural competency. But, but, but the other aspects of living, socioeconomic status and that sort of thing, living in particular communities. The second is that it's always in the form of this crisis. So Governor Abbott in Texas is talking about we need to deal with mental health after in the wake of a shooting. Meanwhile, he's cutting millions, tens of millions of dollars in mental health services in Texas and then uh, using it as sort of theater to, to, to distract people from uh, addressing gun violence. When you, when, when you talk about what's happening in New York um it's always in the form of this crisis and it's an it's an easy talking point for politicians but when they really need to actually address it there's not a lot of services that get that get uh instituted in in uh, or integrated into legislation and it's never ever front and center what it means for communities of color and i think that is why um you know we we feel like we need to use other platforms like this campaign uh, you know Hollywood, other places, to have the conversation, to both apply pressure to politicians, but also, um, in my mind, to to then use the platform to have direct impact in the form of these
0: certifications uh, uh, for these barbers. Yep, we'll come to the certifications here in a moment because um, that's the that's the sweet spot of this conversation: how we get uh, these barbers. Um, uh, certified to be life coaches so they can talk to these men when they come into the barbershop uh, and and, and come to their aid. Um, But before I get to that, uh, the certifications, Nick, uh, you made a point I want to follow up on with you specifically, Um, and that is this notion that black men uh, have been known, (laughs) are in fact known, uh, for not being willing to get help. I was just talking to a brother the other day who uh, was sharing with me something about his own health, and I was encouraging him to go get checked out and You know, he's 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 open enough to tell me how he feels and and what's wrong. Um, So there there was a level of transparency there, but fought me when I started pressing him on why he needed to go in and get this checked out. And that's not an uncommon story to any of us, any of us who love black men who are black men. uh, know that's not an uncommon story. So there is this notion uh, that too many black men uh, don't want to get help. Uh, They don't want to know. They don't want to find out. So they don't go. Um, say nothing of the, the notions that uh, many of us have of black men who don't want to open up, black men, to your point, Nick, who don't want to be vulnerable. It seems to me if those realities exist, whether you offer them help in a barbershop or on a couch in some professional's office, uh, we still got a problem. We still got a challenge, Nick.
1: Yeah, we do. And um, I think it's really important for people like you. And, and it's amazing that you're using your platform in this way to have this conversation over the course of this this month about this because the more we kind of destigmatize it and um and have these conversations and and sort of normalize it uh in the community i think that um that's where we'll start breaking down these barriers and it's generational you know i know like the elders um it's it's really sort of almost off limits you know it's just Mm
2: -hmm. it's just
1: the way they grew up it's just how it is um that sort of thing i think people coming up now younger people it, it because it has been more open and there's a lot of people talking about it. And you have the the, the, the Taraji P. Henson's of the world and other people talking about uh, mental health and really kind of putting resources and money and time and effort behind it and, and sort of using their celebrity as a platform. I think it can really help destigmatize it. And again, I think that's where Hollywood and celebrity has, has a big role to play. Uh, and And there's, you know, in the wake of Twitch's death, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know that that there the, the began a conversation around this. I saw this statistic, you know, just to underscore your point, that eighty percent of the community—this was this was by the National Institute of Mental Health—eighty percent of the community were very concerned about the stigma associated with mental illness, um, which discouraged community members from seeking treatment. And so, if eighty percent, I mean, that's that's like significant majorities mm-hmm. of community members um, are feeling this way. there is a level of education, there's a level of of commitment by people with platforms like yours and and, and others to have the conversation, to help destigmatize it, to help normalize it that I think will hopefully break some of that down.
0: So one other thing that you mentioned, Nick, I want to get your take on before I get back to Labide and bring you back in the conversation. Um, You mentioned cultural cultural competency, if I can say it. And I'm glad you mentioned it uh, because I wanted to go there. So you were sort of prescient in in this regard. So let me let me connect this to your film, which we'll talk about again more uh, as we move through the hour. The film is called A Snowy Day in Oakland, and it tells the story of a beautiful psychologist played by Ari Parker, who moves to Oakland to start her own practice in a predominantly African-American and psychologically ignored neighborhood through her work Uh, She turns the community on its emotional ear, exploring themes of entrepreneurship, mental health, relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the story, again, revolves around a psychologist who moves to Oakland and goes into a community uh, uh, populated by people who look like me and you (laughs) uh, to to give them the help that that, uh, that they've uh, long uh, uh, been denied. I raised that and connected to the film, this question that is, Nick, because you mentioned cultural competency. And I think one of the things that we that we suffer from is not just, I'm talking about black men now, not just the fact that we uh, are afraid to get help, to ask for it. We don't want to go and find out what we need to know and, and save our own lives. Uh, many of us don't want to open up. Many of us don't want to be vulnerable. I get all of that. And yet the reality is that there aren't enough psychologists. There aren't enough professionals, certainly men uh to service the black men in our community i raised that uh again because i've known parents who've come to me because people for what for for whatever reason people think i know everything or at least that i know everybody uh and so when they have a <laughs> when they have a challenge they'll come to me and say Tabitha, do you have any suggestions do you have any ideas and i can't tell you the number of times in my career i've been asked by single mothers and others uh to one spend some time mentoring their own son but more importantly uh, if I have any recommendations for therapists, for psychologists, black males who their their young boys can talk to, and I'm always, you know, struggling, uh, trying to find in cities across the country uh, persons I can recommend uh, to these sisters and others who want uh, help. Uh, uh, for their for their young ones, somebody for these young boys to talk to when they're wrestling with mental challenges. And so that cultural competency becomes a real issue because there just aren't enough of us to service us. And you go to, you know, say a white uh, male psychologist and he just doesn't have the understanding of how to relate uh, to black boys, much less black men. Nick, there's a mouthful there, but it was your comment about cultural competency that got me on that track. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, first, you know, I think it's a testament to you, Tavis, that, that people are coming to you in that way. I mean, you know, the, the fact that you're that accessible and people trust you in that, I mean, that's very powerful. And, and it's, it's important that people like you are responsive in the way that you just talked about. And, that you know, I, I think that that's, that's often very helpful. And you're right. You know, we were recently um, looking for, uh, I'll be vulnerable here for a minute, for, for uh, um, a therapist for my son. And when we were looking through, it was white guy, white girl, (laughs) like, you know, it was white, white, white. And, you know, uh, that there's a level of, um, you know, you're you're like, okay, well, these are our options. Is it really, you know, are they going to be able to just just to speak to to my son in the way that, you know, I I think can um, empathize with his his life experiences and, and really what he needs? And there is a cultural component to that. It's just, you know. And 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 we're different, you know, because we have access, we have means, we have the time, whereas, um, you know, to acknowledge uh, sometimes in, in in other communities where there isn't the time, where you're working a, a job and you know. Uh, is the therapist going to have the time, you know, uh, or, or, or or that that will allow you to to engage? Will Will they know the community that you're coming from? And so often, where we turn uh, in in communities is to the to, to uh, athletic coaches, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or or pastors, mm-hmm. or you know. People like that. And and it it, it sort of takes a village in some ways, because where, you know, you you talk about gaps, where those gaps are being filled, I think, are by those people. And and again, I think barbers and and beauticians end up being a part of that, too.
0: And that's why we're having this conversation right now about this campaign um, called I'm gonna be honest. They are the co-creators of this campaign. Uh, Nick Withode and Labid Aziz are our guests in this hour. Uh, trying to figure out ways to get black men the help that they need. And if uh, the barbershop is the place we hang out, the place we feel most uh, free and comfortable to talk about anything and everything, then maybe uh, there's a good idea here uh, to uh, get these barbers and beauticians certifications uh, as life coaches to help uh, these black men and and to meet them where they are. We'll talk more about these certifications and about the campaign and how it works. I'm going to be honest when we come forward with Nick and Labide on KBLA Talk 1580.
3: Out Loud, loud. KBLA Talk 1580. Broadcasting live from LeMert Park, USA. USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580.
0: I'm Tavis Smiley. Glad to have you tuned in to KBLA Talk 1580 in our next hour of conversation with Jonathan Igg, author of the new biography, the first one in decades. It's called King, A Life, a biography about uh, the greatest American this country's ever produced. And that's my assessment, MLK. Uh, the book is out uh, tomorrow. King Alive. Jonathan Igg, the author of that book. Some controversy is already erupting about Martin and Malcolm and a variety of other issues uh, that have already come out of this text. Everybody's talking about it, and we are honored to have Jonathan Igg on our program today before the book even comes out tomorrow. So, a conversation with Jonathan Igg about King Alive, the memoir. Uh, in our third and final hour in about uh, 25 minutes from now. We continue in this hour, though, with, I guess, uh, uh, Nick Rathode and Labid Aziz talking about their uh, pretty uh, uh, innovative campaign called I'm going to be honest, hashtag I'm going to be honest, a campaign that uh, is using its power uh, of storytelling and transparency to create safe spaces for honest conversations about mental health in barbershops all across the country. The idea uh, to do this uh, was spurred. Uh, By their film, A Snowy Day in Oakland, where a black psychologist goes into a neighborhood that's been ignored uh, and gives them um, those uh, those persons in those in in the neighborhood. The kind of support uh, and help that they have been denied uh, for far too long, talking about a variety of issues, including their mental health. And so we're talking again in this hour about uh the campaign hashtag i'm gonna be honest um so labid let me come to you now and ask you to uh, sort of unpack us uh, unpack for us that is some details about the campaign we know this campaign at its core is about getting uh getting certifications for uh professionals in these barbershop settings to help the people that need the help the most but tell me about the campaign about the process about the certifications how all this is working take it away labid
2: thank you Thomas. um Again, thank you for having us on, on your show today and allowing us this platform to talk and also just dive into the stigmas around mental health. Um, in terms of the, the the specifics, um I'm a big fan. We're big fans of keeping things simple, right? Uh, I think in, in simplicity you find in, in beauty. So, again, the idea was can we empower these barbers who already have their community opening up, speaking, having fun, and sometimes even being vulnerable? Can we just give them a certification after a life coaching class and it doesn't cost that much a couple thousand bucks and can we get them certified and trained to just have even more impactful conversations or as Nick pointed out just to be, have their ears tuned to certain words or triggers or uh, parts of a conversation that might lead them to pull somebody aside or get a little bit deeper during uh, during their barber barber session. So For us, that simplicity of just giving somebody a class to be more empowered and this life coaching certification initiative, uh, we felt was the easiest way to get going, not too many hours, and and at the end of the program, um, these barbers will be a little bit more equipped to uh, work with their customers and their clients, and maybe even be more additive and helpful to their lives. And this certification process
0: um, uh, helps them learn specifically what. Give me, give me some sense of what the ca- what the what the process, what the what the uh, the class is like.
2: Well, there, there's a bunch of different life coaching certifications out there, right? Mm-hmm. That's the beautiful thing here. So it's not about any one program. There's a bunch of different life coaching certifications. So we were going to design them, find the ones that also fit the barbers that we're working with for what kind of knowledge or skills do they want to pick up? Mm Because again, the variety of life coaching certifications out there are are plenty. There's a myriad of those. So it's really about working with the barbers themselves and highlighting some of these classes and programs and then finding ones that they would find valuable to their own lives.
0: Um, At this point, uh, are we far enough in to have any sense of how Labide uh barbers the professionals are responding to what i think is a pretty creative and innovative idea but how are they responding to it
2: well we wouldn't be here without their buy-in and feedback to begin with so we reached out to barbers in the community to a few of them and few that are connected throughout the country and we presented the idea and they they loved it they thought it was wonderful, and. I mean, even before we said go on the campaign, people were like, when, when can we sign up for the classes? So that alone, uh, felt like we were onto something. So we, uh, we were working with some barbers and some influencer barbers and then uh, an organization of barbers around the country. And we've gotten buy-in from them and support and advocacy sort of in terms of promoting what we're doing. So that alone was uh, an impetus for us to keep going.
0: Everybody goes to the barbershop Labeed, as we all know uh, all brothers of all ages <laughs> go to the barbershop and yet I'm curious as to whether or not given the data that we see about the mental health of black men if there is a particular uh, age group or not that you're targeting with this campaign hashtag I'm gonna be honest
2: I, I think we're targeting the barbers themselves because as as you know and you pointed out the range of whom they meet is you know from from a 2 year old to an 82 year old, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I think it, it starts with a barber, and again, just equipping them. And and, and look, this is this is a, we don't know what's going to happen. This is a this is a hypothesis and a thesis that we had. Luckily, we have buy-in, and I think the point is just to start and see what happens. And and as Nick and I have spoken, this is starting with the film, but we're hoping this hashtag I'm gonna be honest challenge is the beginning of a movement. And and look, I want to put it out there on, on on your on your on your show because. Again, if you don't put it out there, dreams might not come true, but the goal is can we can we begin this and can we then force the hand of, of politicians and policymakers and lawmakers and actually incorporate this into health care? Can health care subsidize the cost of the, the client going to the barber, the barber can make more money because they're now qualified, but that doesn't hurt the client or the customer getting the haircut, right? So there's all kinds of things that we're, we're hopeful for this campaign, but we had to start somewhere. Um, and so we had enough data and enough buy-in. To begin the process.
0: Speaking of policymakers, uh, uh, Nick Rothold is a political strategist and community organizer who uh, served as campaign manager for Better O'Rourke's race for governor of Texas. Um, so he's uh, not just a, not just a campaign uh, worker, not just an organizer, but at at a very high level, having again run Better O'Rourke's campaign uh, for governor of Texas. So he he knows uh, policy, uh, he knows procedure, and so uh, so I'm I'm wondering, Nick, what 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 you make of the fact that. Um, when Labid says a moment ago that he hopes this thing catches on this hashtag, I'm gonna be honest campaign, and that we can start to press and push policymakers to do better by mental health. Here's my question. Uh, It's pretty clear to me that most policymakers in this country tend not to take mental health seriously, period. Uh, and there's all kind of data to point that out. I don't need to convince you of that, obviously. Uh, but they don't take mental health seriously across the board. And we can connect that to gun violence in this country. They don't take it seriously. Um, what makes us think then that we can press them to take the mental health of black men, black people more seriously, Nick? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I've been in, in
1: politics for, you know, about 20 years at varying at levels in the White House. Uh, to, to running Beto's campaign and, and, and everything in between. And yeah, it is, you know, and, and uh, it, it is a great question. And a lot of this depends on what we do as a community. So, you know, the way politicians move is uh, you got to pressure them. Uh, and there's, diff- there's different avenues and different leverage points for pressure. So, you know, in the wake of these shootings, as I mentioned, in, in Texas, Governor Abbott now, is saying he wants to invest in uh, and we need to address mental health issues. Okay, Governor Abbott, let's see how serious you are. And I think that's where it's incumbent on us as as a society, as community members, to really push on him. And that takes different forms. So first, I think it's campaigns like this where on a hashtag you start organizing people uh, on social media to really elevate their voices, share their concerns, but then talk a little bit about like what the solutions are. Uh, and when you have windows of opportunity that's really where it's important to engage um, and then you know again you know the uh, 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 what's happened what happened in New York there's all of these things kind of happening that I think um, will allow sort of the space hopefully to then be able to 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 help uh, politicians think about how to prioritize that but politicians, as you know, have so many things incoming and so many things that they're dealing with in terms of what People view as priorities um, mental health uh, especially mental health in communities of color often are on the back burner uh, because you know they just don't take our community seriously meanwhile uh, politically the Democratic Party relies on especially black women and black people to turn out the vote and 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 are the usually the key to victory um, and so we now got to use our power as people of color to uh, uh, uh leverage that power politically that we have to push politicians in a particular way, whether it's democratic or republican um, to take these things seriously and, and 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 that's sort of where I think there's opportunity both in terms of in the wake of crisis but also political power that we do have. We may not totally uh, uh, know it <laughs> or or use it uh, uh collectively in the ways that I think we we, we should, but we haven't. And, and it's opportunity to,
0: to push people uh, forward. When we come forward, we'll talk more about the power of storytelling and link this uh, campaign, hashtag I'm going to be honest, um, to the film uh, that sort of uh, spurred the idea. The film is called A Snowy Day in Oakland. It stars uh, Nicole Larry Parker, Deion Cole, Kimberly Elise, Loretta Devine, Marley Gibbs, Michael Jai White. All star cast in this film, A Snowy Day in Oakland. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we come forward with Nick and Labide on KBLA Talk 1580.
3: Be sure to like and follow Tavis Smiley at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself.
1: I'm sorry, I wasn't sure what time service started. She's late, but that dress is right on time.
3: Mr. Hustle. I'm
1: Dr. Latrice Monroe. I'm a therapist. I have a PhD in psychology. You ain't
3: gonna make no type of chat around here with a lame hustle like that. Why would somebody smart enough to be a doctor wanna put a head shop in this neighborhood? Hey, please be careful. What's wrong with this neighborhood? Hey, oh! It's full of black people. Black people don't talk about their problems. <laughs> I'm selling the block. selling the
2: block, too. You're going to tear down, pave over, and use this land as a parking lot.
3: Parking, parking lot. lot? For all we know, Latrice could be the answer to our problems.
2: <gasps>
3: I can't believe how good I feel right now. <laughs> you do you, boo! You must be real good if you can turn Barbie into Eric Kabaddi.
0: like bell and mind games mm-hmm. Lebid, <laughs> why w- why would anybody put a head shop in this neighborhood black folk don't talk about their problems and that's exactly the issue that the the film takes on labeed
2: yes sir it does head on
0: <laughs> yeah but yeah, uh, 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 t- tell me how it is and why it is that you and Nick got the idea to get behind a film project that takes on a very serious issue, but more importantly, uh, take it on in a way. And this is always the challenge in Hollywood uh, when you're dealing with issues like this. It seems to me um, you, you you take a serious subject matter, uh, you want to give an entertainment uh, uh, treatment to it but you can't do it in such a way where people feel like they're being proselytized to when they sit in the movie theater or sit at home to watch it on demand. So you got to balance two things. You want to entertain and you want to empower at the same time, even though you're dealing with a heady subject like mental health. How'd you pull that off in this film, a snowy day in Oakland?
2: Well, number one hats off to the writer director, Kim Bass, who was a writer on a living color and the creator of, uh, Kenan and Kel and sister, sister. So um, you know, a very successful black man, writer, director in our industry, and look, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back even before the film because Kim made this movie with love over the last five years in his heart, and he could not find somebody in Hollywood to get this film out there properly. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's a part of the problem right there. Right? And so it's a it's a it's a dramedy. It's considered an urban dramedy. However, no, it's a it's a comedy. Uh, it's with black and brown people, right, and people want to call it an urban comedy, and because yes, it had—I mean—has an amazing cast, but nobody in Hollywood wanted to get behind it and give it theatrical love. They wanted to just dump it on a streamer, no marketing campaign, no effort behind it, and it wasn't a good piece of business, right? And so we. Uh, got behind it because, A, we wanted to show love to Kim because he deserves it. He made such a special movie, and audiences needed to see this and be aware of it and go to the theater to experience it. I can tell you one specific story where a grandmother, her daughter, and their 13-year-old granddaughter came to one of our screenings, and during the Q&A, the grandmother thanked us because during the film, the 13-year-old daughter leaned over and said, Mom, I mean, uh, Grandma, I really love this movie. I can't wait to talk about it at dinner.
3: Mm. Yeah,
2: that that blew me away. Right. And that these three generations of women were watching this movie that other people didn't want to bring into theaters. And we we had we knew it had that potential. And so we took not only a financial chance, but a a corporate chance. It was the very first film that we as a company put out in theaters. But it's these kinds of chances that we need more people taking in Hollywood, um, because then people like Kim Bass will get love. Otherwise, if we're not taking these chances, how do we get these amazing filmmakers out there?
0: Yep. So that's important. No, it is important. Even a comedy about black mental health um, (laughs) uh, would have uh, a difficult time uh, getting greenlit in this city, as you heard Labide say a moment ago. The film is available now everywhere on DVD and iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, and Prime Video. Our remaining moments with Nick uh, Rithode and Labide Aziz when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. (laughs)
3: 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, forward. includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. power. Unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Uh, about three minutes left in
0: this conversation with uh, Nick Rothode and Labid Aziz about their campaign. Hashtag I'm going to be honest. Uh, May, I repeat, one final time this hour, uh, as you like to know, is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we uh, are having a series of conversations in this month about the mental health of black people. And uh, this conversation is one of those. Uh, Uh, dialogues about how we can specifically get help to black men in barbershops. And I love the idea, love, love, love the idea of um, getting uh, life coach certifications for many of these uh, barber uh, professionals uh, to to be able to do uh, uh, the kind of work that can be done and and perhaps can only be done uh, in spaces like barbershops where black men tend to be a bit more open, a bit more honest, a bit more transparent. Uh, about the struggles they are having uh, in in their own lives. Uh, let me close, Nick uh, uh, and and Labid, uh, Labid, you first with your hopes. We sort of uh, t- uh, tipped around this earlier, but I want to close by asking uh, both of you your hopes into the future for this campaign. You first, Labid. Uh,
2: well, number one, I hope that people watch the film and watch it now while it's on Google and Amazon Voodoo and iTunes because. That is how the company is going to make money on the movie. And as i said publicly and in writing, we're going to take 50% of our profits to begin paying for these life coaching certifications. And as I was indicating earlier, we hope this is merely the start of a movement that catches on and really catches fire in D.C. with policymakers. And then we begin the real impact agenda.
0: Mm. Uh, Nick with old last word to you, sir.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, Tavis, thank you for having us on. Uh, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, and, you know, we stand on your shoulders. Uh, Labina and I are now just starting out on, on, with this campaign, but also, you know, I'm building the studio out. And, um, you know, what it, what it means for two people of color to be, to be building a studio allows for things like this, a platform like this to, 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 to happen where we can launch this campaign. I'm going to be honest. Uh, campaign and and really try to help organize the community around a great film um, to to elevate and raise their voices and if there's one thing I just want to say is that people have power still you know Mm -hmm. policymakers will hear I've been in Washington for 20 years your voice still matters you still can be heard let's help prioritize mental health issues especially in communities of color to policymakers around the country through this campaign
0: uh, thank you for your kind words, Nick. Congratulations to you and Labede on uh, People of Culture Studios. Congratulations on the film, A Snowy Day in Oakland. Again, the film can be seen right now on DVD and iTunes, Google Play, Voodoo, and Prime Video. So, uh, great cast uh, in, in this film. Nicole Larry Parker, Dion Cole, Kimberly Elise, Loretta Devine, Marley Gibbs, Michael J. White, and many, many more. And Something you can check out tonight, uh, this week, this weekend, A Snowy Day in Oakland once again, is the name of the film. Nick Withold, all the best to you, my friend. Uh, take care. Good to, good to have you on. Thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. And Labid Aziz, all the best to you as well. Thank you for coming on our program today.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank, thank really you. Pleasure.
0: Thank you both. My pleasure. What a great conversation as we talk again about the mental health of our people in May, Mental Health Awareness Month. When we come forward in our final hour today, a conversation with Jonathan Igg author of the brand-new biography of Dr. King. It's called King, A Life. Jonathan Ige, up next on KBLA Talk
3: 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.